Live is once again the All Gas No Breaks Sports Podcast Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Bavona, and I am joined once again by Andrew Johnson and Grayson Sheepy G. Marino. And guys, we've had a tumultuous start to the college football and the NFL season these past couple weeks, but we thought week one of the NFL season was crazy. Week two seemed to be pretty crazy as well. And, you know, kind of a slow week for college football, to say the least, compared to what happened last week. But all in all, we did have some crazy games happen in the world of college football. Very true. Yeah, I mean, college football been absolutely electric this year. The top 10 looked pretty uh, pretty stable this week. Uh, had a couple teams sneak in there. But overall, you know, the top 10 kind of remained unchanged. However, right outside of the top 10, we had a couple of big losses. We're getting that a little bit. Uh, Nick, how about you start us off, and how about we st- actually start off with the, I don't want to say biggest upset of the week, but a uh, a game that we could have seen happening, you know, two two highly, you know, recruited, recruited teams and, you know, well-coached teams going at each other, uh, Texas A&M and Miami, uh, pretty big, I don't want to say pretty big upset, we all know that Texas A&M is good, but from a ranking perspective, this was a pretty big upset. Well, yeah, as you said, Andrew, I mean, going into this game, Texas A&M was coming off the loss to Appalachian State the week before. And because of that loss, they made a quarterback change. They're going from Haynes King to Max Johnson, who, if you guys remember, was actually playing for LSU. He was the starting quarterback for, I believe, a season or two for the Tigers. I think he was 8-6 and six his time there. So they make the change of quarterback because, I mean, in all honesty, they needed it because they just did not look good on offense last week. You know, Haynes King had a 97 yards passing. They go to Max Johnson this week, and he had an up and down game, but all in all, you know, not the worst start for him. He finishes the game 10 for 20 with 140 yards, did have a touchdown pass, not a great QBR per se, but he kept the AM offense in check. And he also had Devin a chain that helped him pretty much. He had 18 carries for 88 yards. He also had a receiving touchdown, which was Johnson's only uh, passing touchdown of the night. But this game all comes down to, it comes down to Texas A&M's defense. I mean, they did a great job containing this Miami offense that, you know, has a potential, you know, NFL caliber type of quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke. They held him in check, you know, 21 to 41, 217 yards, did not have a touchdown, also did not have an interception. But it just seems as if Miami was not really to get anything going offensively. And it's just more credit to the Texas A&M defense. Their offense hasn't looked great this season, but their defense has certainly, you know, kept them in check to start off the year. You know what? It's very frustrating if I'm a Miami fan how frustrating this game was because uh, you say Ben don't break a lot. We say Ben don't break a lot in regards to the defense. This was a Ben but did not break defense. If I'm a Miami fan, I saw numerous times where Miami was getting in position to score and then Texas A&M would, you know, hunker down and just kind of deny them. You know, Miami almost had 500 total scrimmage yard between rushing and uh and passing Texas A&M only had about half the amount they did. So from an offensive standpoint, Miami was way, way above Texas A&M, but that Texas A&M defense, when it came to getting those important stops, you know, they got their three and outs. They got their four and outs. They really, really hunkered down, played good defense when it really mattered. And you said it, I mean, they just didn't take advantage of some of their opportunities. I mean, they also had two missed field goals in this game that, you know, in hindsight, do become crucial, even though it was an eight-point you know, final score. Those six points are big because if Miami has a chance to go down the field and you know kick a game-winning field goal, there's their opportunity right there. But instead, they needed a touchdown and two-point conversion to at least tie the game. They just never had the opportunity. And you're right, they just missed out on so many chances to win this game. But 
in the end, Texas A&M comes out with a huge win after a disappointing loss last week. Yeah, yeah I mean, just as a uh, to be honest, just a- I mean, I think that that game, the A&M win that game came down to home field advantage. I mean, that stadium is just elite. And just as a side note, uh, I think Max Johnson is actually the uh, the last Coach O product, you know, coming out of LSU. So, yeah, this, will the no legacy of Coach O uh, live on in Max Johnson depends on how good his season is. But that's another cool, uh, I guess, a little cool storyline to look forward to in the coming weeks. And as you know, he's the son of former NFL quarterback Brad Johnson. So he definitely has some lineage to his name. And he can make he could be a big time player for the Texas A&M team, especially if he's able to get them back in check into the SEC standings. And I mean, he's got a chance to do it. I mean, the next couple of weeks he's going to have some very big games, and it's including for this weekend. I mean, he has to play a very tough Arkansas team that's currently the tenth ranked team in the country. So he has an opportunity to knock off another big time program, and especially in the SEC, it'd be a huge win for Texas A&M. They move up one spot in the AP poll going from 24 to 23. And the Miami Hurricanes, they were coming into this game, the 12th ranked, they actually correct me, excuse me, the 13th ranked team in the country. And they fall 12 spots in the poll. Now the 25th ranked team in the country, they are the last team in the poll. But it just wasn't a good showing from the Hurricanes. I mean, still a growing process for them. They're obviously, a new head coach, they're trying to, you know, figure out what is going to be going down for their team for the next couple of seasons. But I still think, all in all, Miami has something brewing. It's just going to take a little bit of time before we see that happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that that Miami team's probably going to have to wait a couple more years. And that's, again, I mean, I really think them – this is going to go really back. But I think them getting rid of the Orange Bowl was probably that program's biggest falter. Their, their fan base just can't. Like they they don't fill out that fucking stadium ever. Well, I think it was I mean, that it was a mix of that, and they also had some you know really sanctions and everything after sanctions. The obviously, you know yeah. they didn't have good coaching. You know they didn't. No, I know. Crystal Ball from Oregon is going to be a huge factor for or you know for Miami being you know back to its old glory. He's going to be the you know he led Oregon to some great years. Got them, you know, close to a, a couple of playoff. I think he actually did get them to the college football playoff. At he point. did, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure he was the head coach for that team. So, yeah, I mean, he he definitely has a, a great opportunity to help this Hurricanes team, you know, get back to its old glory as they were in the early 2000s. But we'll have to see what happens in the next couple of years. I don't disagree with you on that. It's just more of like um, every other big college team has their stadium. Their fans are crazy. Like, I feel like Miami just does not have that with the new state. Uh, playing with, they play in the same stadium as the fucking goddamn Dolphins, for fuck's sake. I, yeah, mean, I mean, that's like, not a bad thing. To, well, I mean, we'll, go, we'll get into the Dolphins a little bit later on in the show, but that's certainly not the worst thing to be going it's at. It's not the way the Dolphins just, are playing. But my thing I, is, like, they're, you're supposed to be a top tier college program, they need their own stadium. So, Grayson actually brings up a very valid point. Uh, Miami is very much a pro town. That's the difference. Uh, Miami's also, I don't want to say a front-runner town, but uh, winning certainly helps. Uh, what I mean by that is when the Dolphins are winning, that stadium is packed out. When Miami Marlins, when they were in their heyday, you know, 20 years ago, both stadiums were packed out. 
Um, Miami Heat, same way. I mean, the Heat fans have a you know been notorious for you know leaving games early when they're losing. Miami's very much a pro town, and winning certainly helps. Um, there's also a lot of transplants in Miami. A lot of these other towns, you don't really have that many transplants in you know, places like Alabama or places like you know these in uh, Georgia and Athens, where you have these rich traditions. Uh, if you have a lot of people coming in from you know that want to live in Miami and don't really have connections to the U, uh, I could definitely see that program, you know, or any program, you know, that doesn't have that strong connection falling off a cliff. Hopefully, it doesn't happen with Miami, but uh, Grayson does bring up some valid points there. Like they have great boosters, don't get me wrong, but like I just don't see them being able to take that next step as being a top tier team when you don't have that atmosphere of like a college station a tuscaloosa an auburn i mean dare i say even like columbus even with ohio state and columbus isn't even supposed to be a, a college town but when that team is at their top the, that place is just insane well and, we'll have to see how mario cristobal does in the next couple of years oof. i think he's gonna have to be a big factor into how the program does itself but it could be maybe that is a factor maybe it's not i mean we'll have to see i mean if you're in a state of florida i mean there's certainly going to be a lot of good top tier recruits so it's going to be up to Cristobal and his you know his staff to try to get those recruits to come to the miami hurricanes agreed and well, i think on that note we're going to go into our second game a uh, really big game kind of another big upset Let's talk about BYU Oregon. Nick, would you like to uh, start us off with, like, with well, that? Talking about Cristobal's old team, the Ducks, I mean, they had a really bad collapse at the start of the season with that embarrassing loss to Georgia, you know, losing 49-3, I believe the final score was. They just looked horrible. You know, nothing was going right for them in that game. Playing a BYU team this week, you know, BYU coming off a emotional win against Baylor in overtime the previous week. You know, emotions running high for the Cougars. They, moved, they were 12th in the right – team of the country coming into the week so a chance for them to go to eugene and upset the ducks but oregon they just seemed like the team that we you know a lot of fans were hoping to see at the beginning of the season we saw bo nicks look actually really good in this game he was 13 of 18 for over 200 yards and two touchdowns bo nicks looked fucking like he was back at auburn and i mean freshman year bo nicks, you know doesn't have the greatest record against ranked teams but this game, he just showed, you know, as Grayson said, he showed like he was at Auburn again during his freshman season. He had a really good game. He was very efficient, you know, not many too inaccurate passes. He kept the Ducks in the game, and they did their job scoring 41 points on the board against a BYU defense that held Baylor the previous week to 20 points. So because of that, I mean, the Ducks now, they go from a team that at first, you know, looked like they were not going to make any noise in this year's, you know, college football world. They're right back into the thick of it. They're now the 15th ranked team in the country with the win. So, you know, they could be a sneaky team as as the weeks go on. I mean, they still have games with USC and all these top-tier Pac-12 schools like Utah. They have a great opportunity to have a chance to keep moving up and up in the polls and maybe even, you know, garner some interest for the college football playoff again. Meanwhile, for BYU, they fall seven spots in the poll to the 19th ranked team in the country. They're done. They're we, you know, they weren't a team on paper that at first you were thinking about maybe, you know, thinking they could sneak in. They would be one of those Cinderella stories, kind of like how Cincinnati was last season. But they BYU, to win that game. BYU definitely still could be an at-large for a, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl this season. 
but as Grayson said, they're most likely not going to, they're probably definitely done in regards to the college football playoff, but this is just a big win for the ducks. I mean, they needed some kind of momentum after, you know, that seat, that season opener against Georgia. They definitely got it with this win over BYU. And now we'll have to see how they respond in the next couple of weeks. Well, actually, hold on. I, I hate to cut you off and come back to it, but I mean, they still, uh, BYU still does have to play Arkansas. And I mean, like, if they could pull out a win against Arkansas, that might help them. Maybe yeah, jump well, back in. I mean, what, it's going to have to depend on how much of a shit show the top 10 becomes. Yeah, I mean, what the top 10 right now is extremely stable. Um, this definitely isn't, you know, it for BYU. I mean, they lost to I mean, I know they lost to Oregon who lost to Georgia. Um, if Georgia continues to, just, you, know, you know, march to the beat of her own drum and just completely just look like a step above every other team they play with. Um, it's going to help. Uh, it's going to help BYU and Oregon in the long run. If Georgia goes undefeated, just completely rolls over the SEC and Oregon continues the role of the Pac-12. It's, I don't want to say a trickle down effect, but if uh, you really can't fault Oregon this early in the season, it's going to depend on how Georgia season play out. Of course, if uh, BYU goes, you know, Overall, over to Arkansas, you know, beats the brakes off them. It's a whole other story. And again, uh, this is why I'm kind of really in favor of the expanded college football playoffs. Maybe not 12 teams, but eight teams, I think, would be sufficient. You get to see these uh, these other teams have an opportunity to, you know, make some noise. Because, well, you know, BYU could have, you know, they could win, win the rest of the games and maybe end up as like six or seven in the polls. And I, I'd really want to see them in the college football playoffs. I think that would be kind of interesting to see. Well, if they're going to do that, they're going to have some very tough games this couple of weeks. You know, Grayson brought up the game against Arkansas. They also have a game. At, I know Notre Dame has not looked great this season at all, but still they're going trash. to South Bend. Hey, listen, you might say it's, that's not saying they aren't playing like trash this season. They had a you know close game against Cal this week. But Notre Dame, is not, it's not going to be an easy win to go into South Bend and win that game on the road. It's never easy to do that. And they're going to have to do that also. They're also playing a very tough Liberty team that's, you know, very well coached. And almost pulled off an amazing upset this week against Wake Forest. So there's not going to be easy games for BYU down the stretch. A lot of tough road games for them. They're going to have to try to find ways to win. And, you know, they have the good thing about this game is, is that they went to a hostile environment in Eugene where fans are raucous there. Now they go into some of these other stadiums like Notre Dame and Boise State and Stanford. So they have a chance to, you know, to figure out, okay, what did we do wrong in this game, and how can we fix it coming into these, you know, other hostile environments the next couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, they definitely have an opportunity to, you know, have their first. I don't want to say real college experience because that'd be insulting to BYU, but first real hostile environment of the season kind of settled their nerves. Now they kind of know what to expect when they're on the road. I mean, Oregon was hungry for a win. They desperately want to prove themselves, not only uh, in the Pac-12, but you know college football landscape as a whole and uh yeah i mean it was definitely a a great win for oregon they need to uh you know, get themselves back on track and it's gonna be interesting seeing how they perform the rest of the season both at byu and oregon yeah certainly will be a tough test for both the teams to see how they finish out the rest of the season but in the end oregon does get a nice win over the over the cougars by final 41 to 20 let's see how both teams figure out the rest of the season but definitely a Great win for the Ducks, and we'll see how they respond throughout the rest of the year. But speaking about some great wins, I mean, I'm sure 
Grayson was very happy that his um, Mountaineers rebounded back this week with a win over Towson. Not a game that, you know, not much to really say about the game. I mean, West Virginia goes into it, heavy favorite. They win the game pretty convincingly. And a game that they needed desperately after the 0-2 start, losing to Kansas and Pitt. They get a nice win over Towson. And hopefully for the Mountaineers, it's something that they can build off of as they try to get some noise in the in the Big 12. I'm going to be honest. I think this C.J. Donaldson kid is fucking legit. He is a beast back there. I understand it's Towson. But, like, even his game against Pitt, four rushes for over 100 yards. His game against Kansas, he still had over 100 yards rushing. Like, he is a stud as a true freshman. Like, I could potentially see that guy going on a run at West Virginia if he stays and having career highs and consistently just getting better now, as a running back. Now, Grayson, I, I hate to call you out on this. I, I don't usually like to do it, but he did not have 100 y- rushing yards in that game against Kansas. Did he not? He had 48 rushing yards, so definitely. Donaldson, not- whoa, 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 whoa. Donaldson? Oh, come on, man. Donaldson you got 48 it, rushing yards. total yards? Uh, I'm looking at it right now. 48 rushing yards. Oh, wait. Am I bugging? I must be What did he have receiving-wise? Like, did he have he a, uh, uh, a receiving uh, day? Or? catches for four yards. Wow. Not, okay. not a boy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I was thinking of his touchdowns. That's my fault. I was thinking of his game was really good because of his touchdowns. Uh, that's just – we should just chalk this up for me. <laughs> send me to bed. I'm done. Like, the I sheep take not. is out early and about here we're, we're, on the All Gas No Breaks Sports. We're, we're going to put that out as I misread my information. I typed up for last week that he had a good game, and I assumed. You know what? But uh, here's I, what I, I, I say. Where, I see where I fucked up. No, I see where I fucked up. Okay. So I was looking. <laughs> like, my dyslexia really popped out here, boys. When I was looking at yards the other day, hmm. I saw uh, Sam James, and I don't know why, but I wrote his yardage down. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that that that's my bad. Well, that, at least you know one running back had a good game. At least you you've been doing your homework. You, uh, I mean, well, <laughs> it was total yeah. yards. It was yards I... that I saw. Okay, well, I will. I don't think I'll, I can give you a break. Dick can give you a break, but will the viewers give you a break? I don't no, know. Absolutely, we'll be here you're, you're going to be hearing about it. Very. I'm going to get ripped apart for that one. And you I, know what? I, I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it. No, you're a hundred percent right, and I apologize. That is a hundred percent my fault. But, but yeah, go ahead. For an overall, the guy has got in three games. He's got over two seventy four rushing. And he's got six touchdowns. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, he's gonna he has to be a huge reason why West Virginia's gonna win the next couple of games. I and mean, their schedule does not get easy the next couple no. of weeks. So this is a big opportunity for them to, you know, to pick up off this win against Towson. I mean, this Thursday they're gonna be at Virginia Tech. That's gonna be a yeah. very, very I interesting game to say the least. Myself watching that game. It's but, gonna be great. But then they go to they go to Austin to play Texas on the road, then a home game with Baylor, and then at Texas yeah, Tech the next couple of weeks. They, they, have a really a, tough, they have a really tough schedule. This is a very, very, very tough schedule for it's West Virginia go, in the next couple of weeks. It's honestly going to come down to if our secondary is at the minimum semi-competent. 
They're going to have to play better than they have they did in the first two games. They cannot play like they, how they did against Kansas and definitely Pitt. not against. They played well against Pitt. It was just they gave up two mm. bad chunk plays. Like, listen, two bad chunk plays could be the difference of the game. It doesn't. That doesn't mean I know, that the secondary plays like, good. If you look at their game as a whole, I mean, they only gave up three hundred eight in that game and one one passing touchdown, in a, in that game against Pitt. I mean, they played well in the secondary. It, it just came down to. I want to give them a pass, but when you give up 300 yards passing, I mean, it's. I don't know how you guys say the secondary is doing great. Um, I mean, they limited. I mean, how many times did he throw that game? Let me check one more time. I, I hate he went to be, 16 and 24 for 30, 308 yards. Yeah, it was chunk plays. It wasn't like. I'm, I'm sure he's him. averaging 12 yards a pass. Yeah. It it was more of their chunk yardage, which sucks and it's a problem. But well, either way, West Virginia does does respond with the win. The question is now going to be how will they go about it with the short week coming up against Virginia Tech on Thursday, and then the games after that against Texas and Baylor. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how Neil Brown gets this team ready, you know, for the next couple of weeks because they're going to need to win some games if he wants to keep his job. If they smash Virginia Tech, which is definitely not going to happen now that I said that, they're definitely going to get absolutely massacred. Yeah, you probably mushed them. I just mushed the living shit out of them. Yeah. But in in the case that they do, I'm going to feel a little bit better about this season. Mostly because that's a huge rivalry game for us. And to potentially keep that tradition of beating Tech is almost a consolation prize of losing that heartbreaker a bit. Yeah, that would definitely be a consolation prize if they can get it. Well, we mentioned a couple teams there uh, that we want to touch upon. Kansas, uh, we touched upon Texas. I do want to touch upon Texas very briefly. Uh, Hey, man, Texas looks like looked very scary very early in the game, tied with UTSA. I know UTSA is almost a sleeper team every single year. Uh, but be going from almost upsetting Alabama to being tied with UTSA at halftime. I know they end up winning the game 41, 21, uh, yeah, that's not a good dominant, for them. dominant performance in the second half, but to play down to the competition, uh, is, do you guys think Texas is one of those teams that plays down to the competition, but then rises to the occasion to go kind of challenge those top teams? What's the analysis? With I the think it's still it's, early. It's stopped Brian Robinson. It's literally the, it's literally well, the play no, right now. No, it's Bichon. But yeah, John, I always call him Brian. I have no idea you're, why. You're thinking of Brian Robinson from Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Drafted. It's Bijan. Yeah. Oh, fucking God damn it. Um, just but, chalk me up for this pod, please. <laughs> oh, my God. My brain's not falling. Um, it's Boys, all right. I know. No, 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 it's okay. This is, this is tough. This is a tough right. I had a great pod last week, and then this happened. But, <laughs> yeah, Bijan. I'm sorry. But either way, I mean, te- I, I think it's still early to tell for the for Texas because, you know, they had a quarterback change, obviously, because of, you know, their injury to the previous quarterback, uh, Quinn Byers. So, I mean, it's definitely still weird to see how they're going to react the rest of the, of the way down the stretch. I think we'll know more of what this team is when they finally get, you know, the, into Big 12 play. They're going to be playing Texas Tech this upcoming week. So I think that's going to be the first test of what is this team going to be like the rest of the year? Because it's also a road game, so it's not going to be easy to go to Lubbock and beat the Red Raiders. 
So I think once Big 12 play starts, I think that's when we're going to see what Texas is going to be like down the stretch of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's... <sighs> I mean, Hudson Card is just... Uh, he's not it. <laughs> I, I don't see him being able to go out there and win them games. Yeah, that's why it's going to be at the Bijan. I mean, he had 183 yards in this game, so I think it's going to be more imperative <laughs> on him to keep going the way he has been going, and it's a, there's a reason why he's going to be drafted in the first round, the upcoming draft. Oh, he's probably one of the best running backs in the nation. If, if he's not oh, the not best, question. He's, he's definitely top two. Oh, now I have a question. Yeah, I, have like, question. I, I don't even know who I'd probably put above. He might be in the. He might be the best back in the league. He probably is the best running back in college football. I I would have to. Oh, I forgot about Raheem Sanders too. Yeah, it's it's tough. I I think he's definitely one or two. I, I mean, it depends on you know who you ask. Yeah, I mean, I like Raheem Sanders a lot. <laughs> like the way that kid runs, but I mean, we'll see. Well, I would like to go. Go ahead. I would like to go over some feel good college football stories. Some traditionally not really powerhouse programs, at least not not in the last twenty years, uh, performing pretty well now. Uh, Kansas, Rutgers. And Syracuse, all undefeated to start the season. All of one, you know, all three of their games, all three of now. Uh, I can't tell you the last time all three of these programs performing this well. You'd probably have to go back maybe 20 or 25 years. But uh, some feel-good stories. Uh, Nick, what game would you like to dive into oh, first? Did you just roast Syracuse like that? I mean, hold I mean, on. They haven't, been, they haven't been good in 20 years. They've been- we had we had we, we had a, a couple of previous we were, seasons. We were ranked we were ranked a couple years ago and we, we won a bowl game. Yeah, they've had yeah. a couple of pretty good seasons. We recently had a really good season, but before, but prior to that, we were like up and down. Yeah, we were like, really I mean, bad. Ryan mid two mid two thousands is when Syracuse was like, like Ryan Nassif really was bad. pretty good. Ryan Nassif was good. Yeah. Right, well, I think it's good. fair to say that there's been flashes of, of in the pan for yeah, you know yeah. Rutgers. There's been flashing the pan yeah. for Kansas. There hasn't been a flash in the pan of Rutgers since fucking like Ray Rice was there. They haven't had a flash since Shiano was there the first time. And yeah, which is about twenty years ago. Yeah, pretty much. With Eric Legrand. Eric Legrand. Uh, that's a lot. Le- that is a legend, though. We love Eric Legrand in these parts. I mean, I, I, I guess the- I agree with you. Kansas is like this is an anomaly. This is. This is either going to be the Kansas miracle run. Yeah, I mean, this isn't to put down any of these programs. All I'm saying is, you know, generally speaking, over the last 15, 20 years, they haven't been, you know, dominant programs. Not like, oh, we're talking about Alabama. They haven't even really been mediocre over the last 20 years. You've had these flashes of pans where they've been good for a year or two. And then they've gone back to mediocrity, back to like, I mean, uh, winning four games, not making bowl games, you know. But this is a very feel-good story for all of these programs right now. I mean, it's funny with Kansas because I feel like they had a big, like, they, like, stuck the middle finger up to all of West Virginia the past two weeks. They first go on the road to be West Virginia. Then they'd be former head coach Dana Holgerson uh, yeah, last week. Fucking. So, I mean, Kansas with some impressive wins on the road, nonetheless, they did the past two weeks. Now they're playing Duke this week. Think of it. When was the last time Kansas and Duke were going into a match of both 3-0? and like um, I college I, basketball, yeah, probably last year. in the last like, five years, I, yeah. <laughs> Other than college basketball, I couldn't tell you the last time. I don't even know if there was a time they did it in football, but they're playing each other this weekend, both three and zero. I mean, some, one of them was, was game day. 
one of them is going to be is going to have their first loss of the season. But I mean, someone's going to go to four and zero and give me two wins away from bowl eligibility. It's it's a weird time to say the least. I need can I low key need Kansas to have a good year because I want Kansas to get game day just so we'd be miserable and depressing. Now, do you want them to have a good year because it would make you feel better about them the West yes. Virginia game? Okay, there it is. Absolutely, I'm not an idiot. I mean, <laughs> if hey, they man, have a I would love good year. I would love to see imagine seeing Rutgers and Syracuse in a bowl game and not being like I don't know like 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 an actual bowl game not like the pinstripe bowl. No offense, Nick. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pinstripe bowl. Hey, pinstripe bowl. I tried telling elite. him. I tried telling him this, Gracie. He didn't want to believe me. That bowl is elite. It is very underrated, honestly. Like I wish they because yes, every five star recruit says I really want to be in the pinstripe bowl. Hey, I. Hey, there was a couple NFL players I saw. We, yeah. we saw when we, we saw the game and, watch uh, Indiana and Duke. Yeah, Tevin Coleman. Yeah, Tevin Coleman. I think was I'm the not, biggest player, but yeah. Hey, man, I'm not saying NFL town doesn't play in the pinstripe bowl. All I'm saying is they don't strive to play in the pinstripe bowl. Why not? Maybe they just don't appreciate it yet. I mean, listen, they get ACC and Big Ten, the Big Ten. So it's not like they're not getting the some of the best conferences to play there. It's just you know. They're not getting the top tier teams, you know, like yeah. Clemson. Yeah, it's mediocre. It's mediocre football. It's mid-tier. I would not. I think, they, I think they have North Carolina right now. Is, I think projected for the ACC in the in the pinstripe bowl at the current moment. Man, so, this projections yeah. this early for the pinstripe bowl. Yeah, yeah there's always yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's always bowl projections, projections this early. I know bowl projections, but like actual bowls, like Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah, bowl, like, yeah you know. absolutely. It's the whole nine, baby. Oh God. You best believe with Syracuse starting three and zero. I want to know where the hell we were starting. You know where the hell I had to start thinking about where they're going to play. Where do they have them, Nick? Uh, I don't remember the bowl name off the top of my head. Oh, sorry, I throw you on, under the bus there. I, I had, <laughs> I, that the, it wasn't even that. It wasn't even that. I don't remember the bowl. It was. It was the name of the bowl itself. It was such a long name. I don't remember what the exact. You name know of it where? Was. You know what state it's going to be in. No, I couldn't even. I they definitely renamed this bowl because this, this is definitely like a new bowl. I don't remember this yeah. being this this bowl going for a while. I mean, they rename bowls all the time. I mean, we were talking about the Cheez-It Bowl two years ago. That's no longer existing. R.I.P. Shout out to the Cheez-It Bowl. <laughs> Cheez-It Bowl. That's your favorite bowl game. That that was in Arizona, wasn't it? Yes, it was in Arizona, and myself and Rob Cole were trying to get you to go to the Cheez-It Bowl several uh, times. Yeah, listen, man, it wasn't going to happen. I just had to be straight up forth with you. Uh, it was called the Gasparilla uh, Bowl. The it's fuck Tampa, is that? It's in Tampa, Florida. Is that the old Outback Bowl? I, your guess it is, I guess it's as good as mine. But they must have updated it because that's where Syracuse originally was supposed to be. And now I don't know where they're supposed to be playing in. Oh, now they have us in the Fenway Bowl in Boston against Memphis. They have a f- they, when the hell did they put Fenway they I feel like that was like last year or two years ago. It was very recently. I remember that. I do remember that. But Gasparilla, I don't know where that came from. No offense to like the Gasparilla Bowl. I just have no idea when that when that came about. But speaking about Syracuse, I mean, that game was a whirlwind of emotions for me. Because Syracuse had a 10-point lead with about five minutes to go. And I had felt you know, confident at first. Then I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? I know this team from the bottom of my heart, and I know this game is not over with. And I was exactly right, because Purdue started to come back in the game. They scored a touchdown with 
about a couple with about a minute to go in the game, and I thought, well, that's it. Syracuse is going to lose. They had a ten point lead. This game's over. But this had to have been one of the craziest games I've seen, due to the fact of how many penalties they were called in this game alone. As Purdue on their touchdown got so many unsportsmanlike penalties that they had to kick the ensuing kickoff from about I think they're like the the forty yard line. Um, there- yeah, I wanted to touch about that, not to you know cut you off about this, Nick. Yeah. But I think Purdue had like eleven penalties for like over a hundred and ten yards, which is insane when you think about. It. You're giving up the entire more than the entire length of the football field. Uh, in penalties, which is just unacceptable. I know Syracuse wasn't really that great on penalties that day either, but you know to almost give up all that yardage just for for free is just absurd. Yeah, I mean, it really helped Syracuse because once they had the ensuing kickoff, Syracuse started the possession at the Purdue forty yard line, so they had great field position just due to the fact of how many penalties were called at the end. Then. On the on the on that drive, there was a a late call for defensive holding, and then it led to them getting the game winning touchdown with seven seconds to go. I mean, listen, if I'm a Purdue fan, I'm livid about how this game happened. I mean, I, I don't blame them. There was a lot of questionable decisions made by the referees in this game. If I'm a Syracuse fan, which I am, I mean, this is a hell of a win. I mean. Looked like they were going to choke away the lead and choke away a potential 3-0 start. Instead, they come out with the win, and they go to 3-0 in the season. I mean, and it's a great win against a Purdue team that, you know, was back and forth with Penn State earlier in the season. So now they go to 3-0. and I mean, I haven't felt this good about the team since their last bowl appearance. So I'm seeing some lot, a lot of great strides from guys like Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader. They're playing great football right now. And we're just three wins away from a bowl, you know, being bowl eligible. So I'll take it. Now, Nick, I want to ask you as a Cuse fan, uh, head coach on the hot seat for more than a minute now. Uh, uh, I know what you're do go you here. do with him? I mean, okay, so it's, you're, you're okay. You you're undefeated right now. Yep. You have I don't want to say a favorable schedule, but a very manageable schedule going forward. You know, let's say you win eight games on the season, you make a bowl game. What do you do with the head coach? I mean, He's been on the hot seat for a minute. You have to keep him. I mean, you can't, you can't let go of him after an eight win year. They didn't let you go t- of him after he won nine games the year they went to the bowl game against West Virginia. It, it's just not, if they go, if they win eight games, he has to get it. He's probably going to get an extension. Now, how do long you, do you extend him for? Uh, I'd say three to four years. Maybe I, you have to give him okay. at least another go around. Personally, for me, I've not been the huge, you know, the hugest Dino Baber fans. I've like I kind of wanted him fired for the past couple of years. He did have that great season, obviously, a couple of years ago. But other than that one year, it just hasn't. It's just been really up and down football. I mean, he had a five and seven year the year after four and eight, I believe, the year after that. It just hasn't really been consistent. I mean, could somewhat some someone could say could be consistently bad. We want to see you know, some decent football, but it's very tough when you're facing ACC teams like Clemson and Pitt now is emerging as a powerhouse. Wake Forest is doing really good. NC State is also doing really well. So it's not an easy, you know, test for Syracuse, but if they're able to win six to eight games, I mean, I think you have to extend them just because of how the fact that they're able to win this many games with all this tough competition in the ACC. I'm going to tend to agree if you have to extend them for how long, I'm really not sure. 
I'm going to say, for me personally, if I was the AD, it would depend on the recruiting classes coming in. If he's having a strong class, I would tend to give him a little bit more time. Uh, if it's not so strong, I would tend to, uh, not not saying that you can't find diamonds in a rough or anything like that, but well, just generally speaking, if it wasn't that strong, I think I'd give him a little bit less time. It's funny because most of the good players he's gotten are mostly uh, transfers. He's mostly getting good transfers to come in. Like Garrett Trader, our current quarterback, is a former transfer from Mississippi State where he was a wide receiver at for a little bit of a time. And he got converted back to quarterback. He was, you know, played a little bit of quarterback last year for us. And he's showing that running ability that he has a wide receiver, but now he's being the full-time quarterback. And he has a good arm. So you're seeing both, you know, a mix of both of those. But you're right. I mean, he, he got guys like Sean Tucker to come to the school. Sean Tucker's been one of the best running backs Syracuse has had and. I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you the last time they had a really, really good running back. You know, people were saying that he could be considered, you know, as a dark horse candidate for the Heisman. I don't think he's ever going to get there, but he is a really good running back to say the least. But I think you're right. I mean, it will be very imperative on him to see how he builds off of potential bowl, you know, bowl season. If he gets them to that this season, if he can get some good recruits throughout the next couple of years. Okay, and I think with that, we want to head into the last couple of games we want to talk about. Uh, I guess the first game we can talk about is Brian Kelly winning his first conference game at LSU and Washington upsetting number 11 Michigan State. But let's, first of all, Nick, give me your take on Brian Kelly getting that first conference game uh, win at LSU. Uh, it's it's definitely a huge win for Brian Kelly considering how the season started with that loss to Florida State. You know, obviously losing at the end because of a blocked extra point. Not how you want to start your career, especially in a Power 5 school. But they had a very interesting game this week facing Mike Leach and Mississippi State. I mean, at first, it it looked like LSU was about to lose this game. You know, they were struggling out of the gate. Could not really get anything offensively going. They went into the fourth quarter down 16-10. to But once the fourth quarter happened, I mean, LSU started to finally, you know, you started to see some of what LSU was trying to build off of. And, you know... Jaden Daniels, to his credit, did a great job. He had 93 yards rushing, also had 210 passing yards. So it seems as if he's going to be, you know, the boomer bust player for LSU. If if they're going to succeed in the SEC, it's going to really rely on him throughout the next couple of weeks. But it's a huge win against Mississippi State. Mike Leach is, you know, obviously a great head coach, you know, has gotten his school, he's gotten numerous schools to great, you know, promise in the years past now trying to do the same with Mississippi state, but it's a great win for LSU. Now. I mean, they have a game in New Mexico coming up this week, but after that, they go to Auburn. Then they're, they have a tough stretch after the New Mexico game at Auburn home against Tennessee at Florida home against Ole Miss home against Alabama. And then at Arkansas, it doesn't get easy for LSU throughout the next couple of weeks. So they're going to wax Auburn. I mean, listen, I know Auburn did not play good in that game against Penn State, but still going there, it's, it's not going to be an easy game, to say the least. LSU is still not in that spot where a team like Penn State is right now. LSU is still you know kind of rebuilding from the Ed Orgeron that. era. We're going to have to see how they respond from this win, but it's I definitely not going to be an easy test. I just don't see Auburn being able to do anything offensively. So I mean, hey, Vera. There are no off days in the SEC, toughest conference in the oh, country. Oh, yeah, I mean. You have to bring your A game all the time. The SEC is the toughest conference in all sports, honestly. Like, 
Oh yeah, no. The the the, the closest runner up is the Big Ten, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, hell, it's even tougher win games in the SEC than it is the Premier League. And you and you know you bring up Auburn. I mean, in that game against Penn State, I mean, let's just call it as it is. Auburn was just flat footed in this game. At halftime, it was close. It was a fourteen to six game. Penn State just dominated the rest of this game. Sean Clifford had himself a nice day. He was very efficient. Nicholas uh, Singleton had, ran for over 120 yards. And the biggest key to this game, they held Tank Bigsby to 39 yards rushing. That just shows how Penn State, they've got a defense to play with this upcoming season. And it's a big win for them. You know, a lot of people thought they were going to go into this game, potentially get upset by the Tigers. But they did not. They held in check. They had a big, big road win. And, I mean, James Franklin, I mean, a lot of people, you know, the past couple of seasons have said maybe he should be on the hot seat and stuff. This is a win that, you know, proves to the haters, hey, listen, I'm still that dude. I'm still that a good of a coach. He's had a couple, you know, somewhat, could someone could say easier games the last couple of weeks. But October 15th, he goes to the big house to take on Michigan. That's going to be the biggest test for this Nindy Lion team. Are they an actual contender for the Big Ten title this year? Time will tell, but that game against Michigan is really going to show is Penn State for real this season or are they just a pretender? I'm certainly that's going to be one of the games to look look uh, look forward to this year. But sticking with the state of Michigan, let's talk about the number eleven Michigan State Spartans. Let's talk about their game against Washington this past weekend. What did you see, Nick? Uh, were you surprised at all with this upset? I'm I'm gonna say right now I'm not surprised this upset happened at all. I, if you were watching college game day, a lot of people were picking Washington to win this game to begin with. Michigan State has not looked did not look good in their first two games to begin with on the start of the season, and then they go on the road to face Washington. You know, Washington is no slouch. I mean, they're they're a pretty solid Pac-12 school, and Washington just dominated this game pretty much from the get go. Michael. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. had 397 passing yards and four touchdowns. I mean, you're not going to win if you're giving up almost 400 yards passing through the air. I mean, Michigan State had a, a luttony of problems in this game, offensively in the first half and then defensively in the first half. They just really got off to a bad start. They did kind of start getting back into the game late, but it was just a little bit too late for them. And because of that, they go from the 11th ranked team in the country to not even being ranked this week. Now they're out of the rankings. So a, not a good loss for Michigan State. And now if they're going to prove to be still a contender in the Big Ten, they're going to have to win some key games the next couple of weeks. But certainly a great win for the Washington Huskies. I do want to say this is kind of, I don't want to say it's a trend yet, but over the last five years or so, Michigan's been Michigan State has been painfully mediocre. I mean, it looked like they were back last year. Uh, Mel Tucker had in the right direction. Obviously, 2020, you really can't too, put too much into it. It's the COVID year. Uh, but 2019, 2018, after kind of being mediocre for those couple of years, I mean, playing the uh, pinstripe bowl, you got to win there. Uh, 2022, is it? Is this foreshadowing that, you know, Michigan State's going to continue to be mediocre, have these seasons where, wow, it looks like they can make the college football playoffs. You know, they're looking good, you know, being as high as five in the AP poll. And then the next year just can kind of like completely falling apart because it seems like Michigan State's been having the, this problem over the last 10 years where they look really good one year. And then the next year, you just don't know what the hell to think about them. I mean, the problem for Michigan State is they haven't been 
dominated like they used to be. They haven't been a powerhouse since I think the days of when they had Connor Cook at quarterback. They just have not really been able to recruit the last couple of years. They finally have started to get something going the last, you know, last two, three years. But it's still not proven to be a, you know, not really proven to help them in this case. I mean, they just, like I said, they looked really bad at the get-go of this game. And it really hurt them because once they started to come back in the second half, it was just, you know, they were just in too much of a big deficit to, you know, overcome what they had, what had happened in the first half. So Mel Tucker is going to have to, you know, get this team back into a groove for the next couple of weeks. But if there's anyone to do it, it's definitely going to be him. He's done a good job since taking over at Michigan State. We'll have to see how the Spartans respond from this tough loss to Washington. Yeah, it's certainly going to be very interesting how these next couple of weeks play out for Mel Tucker. Obviously, no big off days in the Big Ten either. Uh, there's definitely no off days in the Big Ten. I mean, there's no off days. I think anyone, if you don't bring your A game in these Power 5 conferences, maybe besides the Pac-12, anyone can beat anyone on any given day, depending on uh, the effort you're going to put in. Like, if Michigan State doesn't show up, uh you know, the bottom feeders are going to beat them. I mean, it's just, I that's just how it goes. That. I still think Michigan will off day still being Maryland. I mean, Michigan does have their first top test with Maryland this upcoming week. I mean, I want to say Maryland is going to be a powerhouse in the Big Ten. I mean, it's def- it, to say this, it, it, this is definitely Michigan's toughest game to start because they haven't really had a, you know, a really tough opponent throughout the first three weeks of the season. This is going to be their first real, you know, tough test, especially since it's a, I believe it's a road game. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's um, Michigan at Maryland. Um, So it's definitely going to be interesting. I still think Michigan's going to come out with the win, but I think for Michigan, I mean, it's just going to see how is the hangover from last year's playoff run going to affect them, especially not without, you know, guys like David Ajabo and, Aiden Hutchinson, we're going to have to see how that defense responds when you're losing two big playmakers like that. Yeah, I think Michigan will take care of business. If I had to take a guess, I think uh, I would give Maryland a 10% chance. They had no slouches this year, at least so far. They've been pretty good so far. I think they're still undefeated as well, so I guess it would be a matchup of who stays undefeated if I have to put money on it, which I probably will bet on Michigan. Uh, gamble, gamble responsibly, folks. One eight hundred gamble if you have a problem. <laughs> John, yeah, I think you need. I think that's a phone number you might want to call. Oh, there's, a certain, there's a certain friend of ours that definitely needs to call that. I'm not going to mention who it is. You know who you are, and yeah, you, uh, you know exactly who you are. Well, thanks for calling me out, boys. I wasn't calling you out. It's not even it's, you. I know, not, no one in this right. pod right now. It's no one in this pod. Someone right now. Correct. Well, I think the last game we need to touch upon, and I think this was the reason why it was such a crazy, like somewhat of a crazy week of college football. We had a game day in uh, Boone this week between Troy and Appalachian State. And I mean, going into the game, it looked like Appalachian State was going to, you know, was a heavy favorite, I believe, going into it. But compared to the Trojans of Troy, they, you know, they fought to the very, very end. And Appalachian State, what, for the second straight week, gets a crazy, crazy win. First going to Kyle Station, knocking off Texas A&M. Then they win this game at home 
on the final play of the game on a Hail Mary from the quarterback, Chase Bryce. I mean, Appalachian State is going wild these past two weeks. That's definitely a feel-good story in college football right now. And a, another successful win for the Mountaineers. Yeah, Appalachian State seemed to, I don't want to say they played their bowl game last week. It's, they certainly were acting like in the first half of that game, you know, kind of had that, you know, high of Texas A&M. They kind of hung over a little bit, kind of like uh, a certain Super Bowl team that we'll get into the next pod. Mm. Uh, just kind of looking exhausted, like, you know, they're still celebrating that win. It didn't seem the game plan. Uh, I don't want to say they got bailed out at the end there, but uh, the better team definitely did win that day. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, at the end of the day, Appalachian State does get the win. It'll be interesting to see how they fare the rest of the season. I would not be shocked that they get, you know, get into the college football rankings at some point in the year. I wouldn't even be shocked if they make a New Year's Six Bowl at some point, just because of how they well they have played so far in the season. But definitely a good showing for both of these teams, and Troy has nothing to be ashamed of. They played a great game throughout the end, just lost on a very, very heartbreaking play. Yeah, that's got to be tough. I mean, if I'm Troy going forward, you have to kind of, that's bullet, I don't want to say bulletin board material, but it's definitely something that, you know, the coaching staff is going to preach in those locker rooms, in those practices, practices, in those film sessions going forward. They say, okay, what went wrong here? Um, how, you know, how does this go off? I mean, obviously a lot of luck, but what led up to it? So that's definitely going to be stuff for Troy to, it's, it's going to be learning experience for these athletes and these kids and for the coaching staff. And uh, you'd rather have this happen right now than, uh, you know, four or five weeks from now. I'd agree with that to an extent. But what it really comes down to is, like, when you're one of these bottom-end teams like that, I mean, well, not a group of five teams. Let me rephrase that. When you're a group of five team, you really have to take advantage of every national exposure game that you can like that. I mean, that's a big game for them. And to lose like that is just, that's just tough. I don't want to say it's pitiful, but I mean, hey, I'm sure both those teams are just happy to be on uh, college game day. Uh, I do want to say, I, I wonder if uh, Texas A&M, that would have been their college game day this week had they won that game. But I guess uh, oh, 100%. They'll, have to go down college, they'll have to go down the college station hopefully sometime this year. But I feel like college station has been dying for one of those uh the last year or two, we were deprived of one last year. Well, I'm trying to think. Where is College Game Day this week? Because they have a, they do have a very big game this week with Arkansas. Um, I don't. I don't they, believe they have they have they announced it. Say, I don't think they've announced it. I mean, unless I missed it, which is, I mean, look with the way my pod's going, highly <laughs> likely. I don't think they have. I mean, they usually announce it the week before, but I haven't seen anything about it. I, maybe they were leaving it open ended. I mean. They have to be on the move, like with their production team and everything by now. So yeah, I, I think I think we'll definitely learn like where it is in the next well, day or, or two. Well, but Gander, if I I would not be surprised if it was a college station next week, considering the magnitude uh, it, of the game. Oh no, Clemson and Wake Forest is a twelve o'clock that's, game. That's also a big game this week. That's um, the battle of the, Wake Forest. Uh, almost. Upset to uh, upset this week, facing Clemson, battle of Carolina supremacy right now. Going to be very interesting to see how that goes. Clemson, can they finally? I guess this would be Clemson's first big game of the year. I guess uh, not. Would, 
would be a statement win for Clemson to uh to just kind of dismantle Wake Forest. Wake Forest, another team kind of on the rise the last couple of years. Wake Forest traditionally a basketball school starting to get known for their football. So it's gonna be really interesting seeing how Wake Forest and Clemson uh face off this uh this weekend. See, my guess is going to be the A&M game now that I'm looking fully at this slate for next week. Uh, Florida and Tennessee would be an option, but uh, both those teams have had it already, right? No. Flo- no. No? No, week one, they definitely did not have it for, for either team. I can really? tell that right now. I don't no, know why. Maybe there were just bigger games in those Last weeks, week was but... in Boone. The week before, it was probably in... Um, no, wasn't one that the, was definitely wasn't, in... Wasn't that the Alabama-Texas game they were in? Uh, uh, maybe, I believe so, yes. Maybe it's my college. We apologize. I we are, I, I'm not 100% I'm sure. I mean, struggling. Hey, Boys, listen. Just put the nail in the coffin for this one. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to go regroup because God help me. Has this been fucking awful? Well, I do want to touch base on one more thing, and I forgot to run this down with you in the pre-run for the show. But another big thing for college football this week was the um, the termination of Herm Edwards at Arizona State. He was fired or mutually part of ways, as they would like to put it, after this past weekend's game against uh, Eastern Michigan, in which they actually lost that game 30-21. to so Herm Edwards is no longer the head coach at Arizona State, and it was definitely a shocking thing to hear about. Considering Herm Edwards has had a bad record, he's twenty six and twenty at the school. He's gotten into a couple bowl appearances. He was one two in bowl games, but just hasn't really gone great for the Sun Devils the past couple of seasons. But definitely shocking development for the Sun Devils is now they are looking for a new head coach. I feel like the seat was lukewarm for a little bit there. And when you lose to a team, not power five, Eastern Michigan, uh, by more than one score, uh, if your seat is lukewarm, it goes from burning hot and they're going to can you. Uh, Herm Edwards, obviously, you know, decent at Arizona State. But I think what a lot of these teams going forward, especially with the new quote unquote super conference SEC, uh, these teams are going to be fighting to establish supremacy before uh, a lot of these conference realignments happen, and uh, if they feel like they can get a better candidate right now, I mean, who would replace Herm Edwards? Who's on their short list right now? The only place that I would probably would have considered right now is Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer's going, not fucking going there. I well, mean, also, Joe is definitely an option as well. Well, remember also, Arizona State is going to potentially be having sanctions brought upon the school. They do yeah, have the NCAA wild. investigating into them. So you might which not see a power reason. coach like that go to that school because yeah. of potential sanctions coming being brought upon the university. So yeah, it's not a good like, time, realistically, to be a Sun Devil fan. We'll have to see what happens the next couple of weeks and see who they hire to replace, you know, what a lot of people believe is, and I would say say too, is a very you know prestigious coach. I mean, Herm Edwards has a said a you know had a really solid NFL career coaching wise. He was not that bad at Arizona State, but with all the investigation rumors and the one and two start, I think it was just best for both of them to mutually part ways and just go go about the uh, course of action. I honestly think Herm Edwards needs to go to a a bigger conference school. I I just think him recruiting out there is just not going to work. 
he needs boosters, and that school does not give the boosters that he needs to be able to fight in this nil uh, world of college, this new world of college football. Yeah, I mean, NIL deals are really going to... I don't want to say they're going to kill programs. They're certainly going to make programs. Oh, no, they're going to kill kill programs. I don't think they'll kill programs. I mean, especially a lot of these large public universities like ASU, Alabama, FSU. They really don't have anything to worry about. I mean, you would assume that, you know, NIL deals would kill a program like Kentucky. It's in the middle of Kentucky. It's not like it's in L.A. It's not like it's in Chicago, New York, or Houston. Uh but it's actually benefiting those programs a lot. Kentucky's benefited probably more so than any other school, uh, especially with the basketball program, just, you know, car dealerships. Everyone wants a piece of that pie. Uh, but I think NIL at the end of the day is going to help a lot of these schools uh, that do have wealthy boosters. You know, it doesn't matter. It could be one guy. It could be one guy that's just made it insanely well, and he wants to boost that program. Now he legally can do so. No, I mean, that's fair. I just uh... – I just don't see it for a school like ASU for that to work out. And I think a guy that with that type of uh, pedigree deserves a little bit more financial support from his boosters. And I just don't think he would ever got it there. So I think it's actually a really good if he's able to get another job somewhere, if he wants it. I think right. at the current stage that he's at, I, I would severely doubt he coaches again. I, I feel like this is I think probably he's his done. Stop. Yeah, I feel like it's done. He's had a really good career. I mean, it doesn't have that storybook ending where he wins a college, you know, national championship or a Super Bowl. But uh, I feel like at the end of the day, if he hung it up right now, he can look back at his career with some pride and say, you know what, I did, you know, I gave it all I can. I had a really good career, you know. Ups and downs included. You know, it's not the way he wants to go up, but if he just stopped right now, I feel like as a whole, everyone would look and say, you know what? Herm Edwards, uh, Hall of Fame coach, maybe, maybe not, but he, sh- he certainly could be coach that's going to be remembered. I mean, I-, I agreed with that. Well, I think that's going to pretty much do it for our college football part of the All Gas No Break Sports podcast. Make sure to tune on in to the second part of our conversation as we will be discussing some of the crazy games that happened this past week in the NFL, while also talking about the current games that are going on on Monday Night Football between the Buffalo Bills and Tennessee Titans and the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings. Make sure to tune on in for the second part of the All Gas No Breaks Sports Podcast Show.